0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Mookie Finance Show podcast, and today we're going to be recording episode number thirty-seven. And in this episode, I want to talk about where do fundamental stock market returns come from. So, to help better forecast what future returns are going to be or what the next decade is going to be, we can't forecast it to a T. Uh, but what we can look at is three different factors that help us understand where stock market returns come from so the first one is going to be the dividend uh yield at the time that you make your initial investment so in this example we'll just use vti so vti i'm just on the vanguard website right now vti's current dividend yield is 1.23 percent. so we're going to pretend today we're going to buy a single dollar or a hundred dollars of worth of vti uh If we bought it today, uh, at today's price, our dividend yield would be 1.23%. So just keep that in mind as we flow through this example. The next factor is the subsequent rate uh, of growth in earnings. So that's basically your earnings growth rate. Now in the past uh, 10 years, if you will, it's it's been kind of high. It's been over 16%. Um, as uh, of this year so far for VTI, the earnings growth rate is 19%. Historically speaking though, the earnings growth rate is somewhere around nine to nine and a half percent. So this is mm, much, much higher than what it should be. But again, we're just gonna use what it is today to try to help figure out what our expected return would be in the future for $100 of VTI today. So we have an earnings growth rate of 19%. We have a dividend yield of 1.23%. Uh, the last factor that we introduce to this forecast model is the change in price to earnings, uh, that price to earnings ratio during the period of your investment. So again, you buy VTI today, the price to earnings ratio is 24.6 times. Um, Historically, somewhere around 15 is the average. So when we look at three different things here, these three factors, let's look at what the historical is and what we're buying it at today to try to help us determine, hey, in 10 years, um, what is this investment going to be worth? So historically, the dividend yield for the market is somewhere around 3%. Today, the dividend yield is at 1.23. So that tells us one thing is that the stock market is overvalued because the higher the yield, the cheaper the valuation is, the cheaper the stock market is. So at 1.23% dividend yield, that means if the yield is historically 3%, the stock market needs to come back down for that yield to go back to 3%. So we know that today's $100 that we're buying at with a yield of 1.23% will probably be worth a little bit less in the next 10 years, at least not at the pace of of uh, 19% uh, earnings growth rate that we're talking about this year. Let's jump on that earnings growth rate. Historically, it's a 9 and a, nine to 9.5%. Nine this year, it's been 19 Again, it's future, if you're trying to forecast what the next 10 years are going to look like, earnings growth rate has to come back down. It's not going to be sustainable at 19%. So one thing we know is the yield is too low. So the yield has to go up, meaning the stock price has to go down. We know the earnings growth rate is really high and it needs to come down. The last thing is the price to book. Uh, the or I'm sorry, not the price to book, the price to earnings. The price to earnings is at half times. Earnings is, is how much P, every dollar that people invest they're willing to pay uh, basically 24 and a half times what the company's actually earning or making. Um, historically, it's at 15, like I said. So we're overpaying and we know that by, because the PE ratio is 10 times higher than it should be. We know we're overpaying because the earnings growth rate is about 10% higher than it should be. And we know we're overpaying because the dividend yield is, is so low than where it historically has been. So one easy conclusion then, if you if you put all of this together, is you know that the next 10 years, with a degree of certainty, of course, there's anything can happen. But I'm saying if you're trying to just think this through and you're trying to forecast what's a reasonable expected return, well, we know that uh, over the last 10 years, it's been about 14%. Um, using these numbers, that tells us that's way overvalued, and fourteen percent historically is way overvalued to what the stock market produces. It usually does about nine and a half to ten. So then we can realistically then say, okay, in the next ten years, we're expecting a a return of somewhere between three to to six percent in the U.S. stock market. And it's like, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Well, it's quite simple. So. The dividend yield, uh, if you start adding all these factors in, if the dividend yield that you're purchasing at today is 1.23%, you simply take that one23 and you add the dividend yield to the expected... Uh, to the expected uh, growth in earnings. Now, like I said, historically, the growth in earnings is somewhere around nine to nine and a half percent. In the last 10 years, it's been over 16. In the last year, it's been 19. So, we expect that the the growth in earnings to come down significantly. So, I would forecast a growth to earnings somewhere uh, in or around the 6% uh, the range. So, if you add that 1.23 dividend yield, and you add a six percent growth. uh, I'm sorry, you add a six percent growth in earnings rate. uh, That brings up our expected return to 7.23 percent. But the last factor that we have to consider is that price to earnings ratio. So that price to earnings ratio at 24 and a half times is way, way too high. So we're saying that it should historically be around 15. So it's got to come down. 10 times. For uh, basically a 10-time reduction in price to earnings, you're looking at losing about another 5% in stock market returns. So that comes to an expected return of 2.23%. Now, of course, uh, we have to give ourselves a little bit of a leniency here. Maybe I get the uh, growth in earnings wrong, and maybe it's not 6%. It could be eight percent. So if it's eight percent, then this two point two three could be more like four point two three. So I think a real nominal fundamental return of the stock market in the next ten years, two point two three on the low end, six uh, percent somewhere around six percent on the high end. But two to six percent is is probably what we should expect. And when you do the same exact calculation and you check international and you check small cap value, you get much different numbers. You tend to see that, wait a minute, um, international is not that overvalued. Right, so when we do the same thing for international VXUS, um, we get much different data. So for the if you bought $100 worth of VXUS today, uh, the dividend yield you'd be getting it at is... that's the yield when we look at the earnings growth rate it's at 7.7 percent so much much lower meaning that the future expected growth rate again we're saying that it historically is about nine to nine and a half percent we have about two to two and a half percent play in the earnings growth rate to actually go up but here's the real big kicker when we look at the third factor, the price to earnings, right now, uh, VXUS is only 11 times earnings. Again, historically, it sits at 15. So you're starting to see here, okay, so I got about four times earnings that I can gain. I have about 2 to 2.5% two in the earnings growth rate that I can make. And if I purchase today at a 25 dividend yield, all of a sudden, it's looking much more favorable. So let me pull up the calculator. 2.58 is the dividend yield. Again, we said the earnings historically sits at nine and a half. So at the low end, we can gain two, uh, but let's say it it does better. Let's say it's 11 or 12%. So we're going to give ourselves a buffer of about two to four uh, on the earning growth rate. And then on the price to earnings, we can bump up to be just average. We can bump it up four more times. But if you want to become a little bit more overvalued, let's say it goes up eight more times. So that's another four percent. So for the next ten years, an expected return for the international market is about ten and a half percent. Again, this is a forecast that I've created using my numbers. Your numbers might be different, and and it it's like whatever numbers you plug in, you're going to get a different answer. So it's very important that you give it some thought uh, on the numbers that you use. But you can see here, all of a sudden, the, uh, for the for the international market, it's looking a lot brighter. Now, I know I get a lot of questions and people are like, oh my God, how could you recommend international? It's done so bad and it continues to do so bad. Well, because eventually it has to do better, right? Unless the whole international market just poof, Disappears, eventually international is going to do what it's supposed to do 10, 10.5%, and the US is not going to do so well. And then I might look like a genius. Um, but, anyways, real quick commercial break here, for a word from our sponsor, and then I'll come back on the other end uh, with the same expected returns for small cap value. All right, a big thank you there to our sponsor. Um, so, moving on to small cap value, so I'll just look at VT. WV, uh, which is the Russell 2000 value uh, ETF. Currently, the yield there is a 1.4%. That's the dividend yield. Um, the earnings growth rate is at 9.3%. And the price to uh, earnings ratio is at 126 so you see here, this is more, again, in line with international. Uh, these numbers are much lower. International is more undervalued, if you will. But these numbers are much, much lower than the broader market. Um, nothing like the 19% uh, earnings rate, uh, growth rate that we saw in the in VTI. Price to earnings, again, 12 and a half times compared to 24 and a half times with VTI. So again, let's use the same uh, logic again. Add the dividend yield at the time that you're buying your hundred dollars worth of of this fund. So one point four. The earnings, uh the earnings growth rate at nine point three percent. Uh let's say that that is historically where it's at. Uh on on average. Uh, so let's say it continues to be a 9.3%. We add that. Um, and then the price to earnings at two and a half times or 12 and a half times, let's say it just bumps up to average 15 times. So that's we're only gonna add one and a half percent for price to earnings. That tells us that the expected return for a small cap value over the next 10 years somewhere around 12 12%. 10 to 12, maybe up to 14 if you, if you want to use more aggressive numbers. I like to use more conservative. So we know that international, uh, large cap blend international is going to return, expected returns somewhere around 10, 10 and a half percent the next 10 years. And US small cap value is going to do somewhere around 12 uh, to 12 and a half percent in the next 10 years. So all of a sudden, the US market returns over the next 10 years look very grim. It uh, looks like if you're in VTI or uh, uh, VOO, the S&P 500, uh, you're going to be getting a 2 to 4%, what did I say, 6% on the high end um, in, in returns. Now, the other problem is the other part of the calculation that I haven't uh, inputted here is what is inflation going to look like and how do you forecast that? Do you just use the average inflation, which is on average 3%? Uh, we know this year we've seen inflation much, much higher than that. So let's say if inflation continues uh, at 5 to 5.5% five and, and the U.S. stock market does 2 to 3% over the next decade, uh, your real return is going to be negative, like negative 3 um, if the stock market does 5 to 5.5% five over the next decade, then your real return is going to be zero. Um, this is why it's so important to be properly diversified. I, I, I try to tell you guys all the time, people ask me all the time, hey, what if I have QQQ and VOO or QQQ and VTI? Am I diversified? No, you're not diversified. Because if you look at the top 10 holdings of QQQ, like 40 or 50% of it is the top 10 holdings. And they're all like US large cap growth companies. Um, There's going to come a time where that type of investing is going to be out of favor and you're going to have a real return of zero or negative in in a 10-year stretch like you did in 2000 to 2016, basically, where the real return was negative for QQQ. Um, And at the same time, it's like if you have... Proper diversification, if you have a diversification across different uh, multiple asset classes, like what I preach, I preach having uh, 60% of your money in the US through a total market or S&P 500, not leaning towards large value or large growth, but just blend, having a little bit of value, having a little bit of growth. Um, because this, again, these numbers that I'm giving you are for a large cap blend. Maybe large cap value numbers look better, and I, I can break those down too, but maybe they look better. I can tell you large cap growth numbers look worse than, than the numbers I'm giving you now for the US stock market. Um, so this is why proper diversification is important. So if you have 60% in, in a large blend that has value and growth, maybe you're going to be on the 5 to 6% end instead of the 2 the to 3% end. Then when you have another 20% in something like a large blend total international, that's way undervalued and we expect that the future return is going to be closer to 10% over the next decade. Um, That's going to be a real good shot in the arm for your portfolio when the U.S. side doesn't do well. And believe me, it's coming. I, I, I feel like the like I'm uh, this guy on the radio just like a doomsday telling you, hey, the, the the bad times are coming, the bad, but eventually they will come. I promise you that they will come. And if you have a little bit, and I'm not saying you need like 50%, if, and some people will say, yeah, you need to have like 50% international. I'm not on that ship yet, okay? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm okay with 20%. But a 20% Uh, international is going to be a good shot in the arm if the next decade um, looks like how I'm forecasting it to look like. It's going to be a real big shot in the arm for you. And then the other part of the equation, instead of having 40% in international like VT does, I'd like to add 20% in small cap value. And the reason being just the numbers I went over with you, the expected rate of return for small cap value over the next 10 years is 12%. That's gonna be an even bigger shot in the arm for you when the US stock market is doing you know two to four or four to six percent over the next decade. So if you have proper diversification, and you by no means am I saying that Mookie 3 strategy is the best way to have proper diversification. No, you can have proper diversification however you wanna have it. You can have Uh, large value, uh, small value, international large value, international small value. Uh, You can just do something as simple as I do. Total US, total international, small value. Um, But basically, the way you're properly diversified, if you click on your funds and you look at the top 10 holdings, they better not have the same top 10 of another fund that you're holding in that same account. Otherwise, you're not really diversified. You're actually exposing yourself to more risk because you have a higher allocation to those top 10 holdings. So a lot of people that like uh, QQQ and VTI together are making a big mistake. A lot of people that do FNCMX and FSPGX and FSKX or FXAIX together are making a big mistake because their top 10 holdings, they're just magnifying and overweighting what's already magnified and overweighted according to, to to the numbers that I just gave you, right? So you're just, you're really asking for trouble. And I keep trying to warn everybody, don't do this. This is stupid. But it's hard to warn people not to do it because they look at the last 10 years and they're like, oh my God, it's done so well. This is a great strategy. And you know, Moki, you don't know what you're talking about. You're, you you have no idea what you're talking about because this is done so well, um it's the same thing that when I waved the red flag on Arc last September I said get you know Arc is done um and Arc started the year off I think negative negative 30 percent I don't know what they're recently at but they're probably trading somewhere around a $100, 105 dollars a share way off the, the the peak of 155 or whatever it was a share and it's this same logic that I used I looked at dividend yield, I looked at the uh, growth in earnings, and then I looked at the change in the price-to-earnings ratio. ARK's price-to-earnings ratio was like 83 times. It doesn't take a genius to... F- when you when you just pull that up, and, and I saw that, I don't have to be a genius to know that ARC is not going to keep going up. Uh, and, and it's like, unless dumb money is really that dumb that they're willing, willing to put their next dollar into something that's already... Uh, overvalued 83 times earnings. Meaning, and the reason it's 83 times earnings is because the companies that ARC invests in they have no earnings, <laughs> they have no PE's. Um, I think Tesla just recently became profitable, but I mean, you know, they're investing in a lot of companies that are not profitable that have a promise in the future to be profitable. But don't give me, I I don't pay for that's speculation, right? I don't pay for speculation. I pay for earnings in businesses. Today, so if you're going to invest in in, in in a company, are you going to invest in a company that's already producing a, a dividend yield, that's already producing uh, uh, earnings, or are you going to invest in a company that could potentially uh, Monkey Finance LLC could potentially become a publicly traded company? Uh, but are you going to invest in my company? Probably not. If you look at my numbers, you're going to be like, "Man, this company isn't worth five grand." Um, so. You just you guys have to you guys have to analyze this stuff when before you make a decision. And a lot of people uh, they make this is how they make decisions. They look at ten year performance and they and they pick the best one. And th- that is the worst thing you can do. If you look at the ten year performance and you pick based off that, you have literally just shot yourself in the foot and you're almost locking in uh, real negative returns in the next ten years. Not always. Sometimes there is outlier years. But most of the time, you're locking in uh, a negative uh, real return but and that's why average investor returns are like one and a half two percent. That's why the average investor could barely keep up with the rate of inflation because they're doing the the things that uh, they're doing stuff that's basically just based off uh, emotion and it's based off a knee-jerk reaction and it's based off a short Ten year or, or yeah, ten year increments, so short decade increments, and say okay, uh, according to this decade, this is the next best thing. So it's going to keep going up, right? It never goes down. And, and then you have a situation where you know, ARC down thirty uh, percent. The QQQs have cooled off. Uh, technology sector is cooling off. But this is—I'm just warning you guys. This is just the beginning. The numbers look very grim. Now, is it possible that my forecasts are wrong? Absolutely. That's why it's a forecast. I put a lot of thought into it, put a lot of effort into it to get the most realistic numbers I could. Does not mean those numbers are accurate. Those are forecasted numbers. Um, And and because the future is a big unknown, we don't know what's going to happen. But with a high, high degree of certainty, I can look at a fund and say, okay, uh, this fund is going to do better than it has in the last 10 years, or it's going to do worse than it has in the last 10 years. I might not know exactly to a T where it's going to... Because the, the 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 one variable that I can't uh, control is speculation. And speculation, in, in long-term performance, speculation has nothing to do with anything. It doesn't show itself. But in short-term performance, and I label short-term performance anything less than 10 years, speculation can have uh, a deciding uh, factor in what the performance looks like. A good example of that, if you guys look at uh, speculation mania now with uh, with AMC, GameStop, these meme stocks. Actually, Tesla. Tesla's another big one. A lot of speculation into Tesla happened, and and it drove up the price that nobody could have accurately predicted. But that's short term. If you let Tesla do its thing over the next 20 years, uh, its price is gonna come down a lot to meet reality. But you know, speculation is one variable that I can't forecast. So obviously, you know, we're in a very speculative market and uh, it seems to be dying down a bit, but we have been in a very speculative market basically since the pandemic. A lot of people entered the market, I couldn't have forecasted that, and, and drove the stock prices way through the roof. Uh, But now that we are here where we're at, I can very easily uh, forecast, hey, uh, this is not looking good for the next 10 years. Uh, And if not the next 10, definitely the next 15 or 20 for sure, Um, you know, the the real return is going to have to be much, much lower. So that's going to do it. Thank you guys uh, so much. I really appreciate you guys listening. And uh, again, if you guys want to leave me a rating and a review so far, we have 15 ratings on the Apple podcast side. Uh, I'm rated four and a half, or 4.7 out of 5. Somebody left me a one-star rating. I appreciate that. No, guys, leave me five-star ratings. Uh, Don't leave me the one star. But that helps me uh, get uh, pushed here on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, uh, on Anchor. So I'd really appreciate that. I work really hard to put this podcast together. Um, I love recording the podcast. I love uh, really educating you guys and helping you guys understand the stock market uh, better from a perspective of, of uh, basically using logic and and using books and not from people's opinions or uh, hot stocks or YouTubers or uh, analysts or any of that nonsense. Uh, we go to the hard data. We, we look at um, long, long periods of time and we draw uh, really smart conclusions from that. I'm not saying I'm always right. Um, there's always mistakes made in forecasts, but for the most part, um, you know there's a big unknown in investing. You can only uh, we all have the same data in front of us. You can only use what what's uh, what's available to us. But thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. You guys have a great great rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend, and until next time, remember move obstacles, keep investing.